few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was going to be given the privilege of speaking at the Spiritual Sword Lectureship this fall. One of the most difficult things is, is that they want a manuscript by the middle of May for the lecture that fall, and so I worked on it for several weeks and have already preached two lessons on the subject. The first lesson was on the evidences of joy. How can you know that someone has joy in their heart? Well, obviously, there are proofs of it, and you can see it as they bear the fruit of the Spirit in their life. In fact, one of the fruit of the Spirit is that of joy. Two weeks ago tonight, we looked at an epistle of joy, and that was found in the book of Philippians as Paul wrote a letter that he told those Christians to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Every sermon seems to have to have three points, and so tonight's lesson is going to be the expectation of joy, the expectation of it. You see, the truth is joy is a trait of God's people. In Psalm 16 and verse 11, David said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You and I need to realize that there is the expectation that if we are Christians that we can have true Full joy. Yet, you would not know that by looking at some people. In fact, I am amazed sometimes when you look at people who claim to be Christians and you see a scowl on their face and you see uh, an almost the fact that they hate life and they hate the future. In Psalm 43 and verse 5, Why are you disquieted or cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I will yet praise him or shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The truth is, is that our face ought to reflect it. In fact, if there is joy in our heart, people can see it. They can recognize it. In Psalm 15, verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart a spirit is broken. Or verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. There's got to be some joy there in the heart. And yet, as I study through the Bible, I find some people who don't want to reflect joy. In fact, they want to reflect as if everything is awful. And in Matthew 6, verses 16 and 17, Jesus talked about those who fasted. And he says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. What he's saying is don't let people see sadness even when times are difficult. God wants you to have a joy in your heart. I could spend a lot of time talking about background. I have made reference to the two previous lessons to something that happened to me several years ago when I was trying to learn how to play golf. 
Some of my good friends, when I hit the ball and I hit it terribly, jarred my hands, they looked at me and reminded me immediately, you're not doing it right. Well, I will tell you that sometimes as Christians, we're not doing it right because we don't have that joy in our hearts. Well, for the expectation of joy tonight, we're going to look at two things. They are related together. Number one is from tribulation to triumph. In the Bible, there is a big picture given that you go from having a, a, a sad existence in this world to one of triumph. And then the one that I think is reflected primarily in the Old Testament is that of today turns into to tomorrow. Let's begin, first of all, with this tribulation to triumph. Does tribulation exist in the hearts and in the minds and in the lives of Christian people? And the answer is obviously yes. Let me take you through the Bible for just a few moments here and look at this. In Acts chapter 14, in verse 22, Luke records that Paul and Barnabas were strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. We must, not that we should or we may, but we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. When you become a Christian, everything is not going to be perfect. Everything is not going to go right. There will be people who will hate you. There will be people who hate where you stand and that for which you stand. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 4, and you could talk a lot about the Thessalonians and what they endured, but very simply, chapter 3, verse 4 says, For in fact we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know... It's almost as if someone comes and says, I want to be a Christian and say, okay, wonderful. There are blessings that follow. But then that person, you need to tell them, this is what you're going to face. You're going to leave from this building where everyone hugs your neck or pats you on the back or shakes your hand to go out into a world that will mock you, that will belittle you. And some of those may even be your own family. The Thessalonians, they faced that, and Paul said, you know that. Very simply stated in 2 Timothy 3, 12, yes, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So the Bible plainly, clearly says we will suffer it, but Jesus reminds us in John 16 and verse 33, he says, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But with that understanding, there shouldn't be despair. I've told you that tribulation is taught through the scripture, but should that make me want to be despondent, depressed, discouraged, to give up? I want you to listen to Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, that would be a good passage for you to turn to. That's one that, that deserves some um, insight from looking at what the writer is saying here. In fact, last Monday evening we studied, or Monday morning we studied 
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 in our class. He talks about we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those witnesses of those of chapter 11. And he made it clear at the end of chapter 11 that they are not perfect apart from us, that you and I are actually running the Christian race as well. But the key verse is verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He follows by saying, for consider him. Look at verse 2. Looking to Jesus, he says, now consider him who has endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Folks, tribulation is not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. It's a fact or a reality of our faith in Christ. But what I do, he says, look at Jesus. And what do you see in him? You see in him the one who started, the author, the one who finished our faith. It says for the joy that was set before him. There was a goal. There was an accomplishment out there for Jesus. That joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went through all of that suffering and persecution. Well, did he enjoy it? No, he despised the shame. But where is he at now? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, consider him and the hostility he experienced from sinners. Look what he went through. Look what he enjoyed, lest you become discouraged. Brother Brandon read just a few moments ago from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I want to revisit that passage just for a moment or two. He says, In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Okay, what is he saying? You're rejoicing not in the fact that you've had to experience these trials. You've been grieved with them for just a little while. But what does follow from that? Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes again, you get the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. So he says, Though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with Joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You see, because we are Christians, we can see beyond the tribulation to the time of the triumph, to the time when we win. In Romans 8, verses 35 through 39 Paul would write, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, 
The fact that I endure all of this difficulty, the distress, the persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. In fact, it goes on to say we're like sheep for the slaughter. We're killed all day long. But he says, yet in these things we are more than conquerors. We win. There ought to be joy in our hearts to say, it doesn't matter what comes at us. If we're God's children, we win in the end. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul would summarize it like this in 2 Corinthians 7, 4. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. Oh yeah, it's tough, but he says, I can take joy in it. What this does is to open with the prospect of today turns into tomorrow and all the joys that go with it. Before services this evening, I asked Brother Caleb, I said, would you lead in the morning of joy? And uh, I said, would you turn to it? I'll ask you to turn to it now, if you will. Number 334. It's hard when you get a little bit older to not realize that not everyone has sung the songs that you sang when you were a child. And uh, we know some of the newer songs, but there are some of the older ones. This song has been on my mind all day long in preparation for this lesson tonight. What I'd like for us to do is I'd like for us to sing the first and the last verse of this song uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, for the thought of the lesson. But number two, because it's a good song that says, has a great message to it. So let's sing the first and the last verse. When the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall arise and the mortals immortals shall envelop the skies when the angel of death shall no longer destroy and the dead shall awaken in the morning of joy in the morning of joy in the morning of joy we'll be gathered together in the morning of joy in the morning of joy in the morning of joy We'll be gathered to glory in the morning of joy. Oh, the bliss of that morn when the loved ones we meet with the songs of the ransom we each other shall greet. Singing praise to the Lamb through eternity's years with the past all forgotten with its sorrows and tears in the morning of joy in the morning of joy we'll be gathered to glory in the morning of joy in the morning of joy in the morning of joy we'll be gathered to think about that idea 
of in the morning of joy and all of the prospects that goes along with that. Listen to David as he speaks in Psalms 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You have to realize that, yes, difficulties may face us in this life, but there's joy in the morning. Today and all of its difficulties will pass, but tomorrow is coming. In John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. For the joy of that human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one shall take from you. Well, you think about what the Lord was saying. Obviously, in the context, he's talking about his own death. And he's talking about how that they would be sad, they would be grieving, there would be tears that would be shed because of his death. The world, on the other hand, would rejoice that it had brought the life of Jesus to an end. That's Friday, Saturday passes. What happens on that beautiful Sunday morning? Jesus came forth from the grave. The joy that was in the disciples' heart could not be measured. And then you think about what Jesus is saying, I'm going to come back again. And you think about the joy that will be tomorrow when our Lord returns. In Luke chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, you have a parable or a parallel to what is found in Matthew chapter 5. We sometimes call it the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain. He said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Those who are experiencing the, the sadness of today, you have the joy of tomorrow. Verse 23, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, great your reward is great in heaven. For in manner, like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. What Jesus is saying to people, you understand that today is filled with terrible difficulties and trials, but the future holds for you a much more beautiful morning. And then finally, Jude, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. But I can't stop here. When you start thinking about today turns into tomorrow, what shall be on the morrow is the question that James asked. So what does that picture look like? Will this expectation of joy, what would you in, expect in it? Well, Luke sixteen twenty five, Abraham said to the rich man's son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus evil things, 
But now he is comforted and you are tormented. As difficult as everything can be in this life, you think of the man Lazarus who was laid at the gate of the rich man. His body was full of sores. The dogs came and licked his sores. You think about all the suffering that he endured. What happens when he opens his eyes tomorrow in eternity? He's comforted. Or you think of Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. John's beautiful picture looking into the future of the Lord's return and to that new heavens and a new earth. And he says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but in the morning of joy, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Psalm 16, verses 10 and 11, quoting about Jesus and his being in the grave. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You think about God's plan, His plan fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And in God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 90 verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off, and we fly away. What is he saying? Look at life. Even the good, long life. But he says, it's soon cut off and we're flying away. You know, there's an expectation of joy for every child of God. And there is joy now, but there shall even be greater joy in the future for the child of God. But the key to happiness of this joy and peace is through obedience to the gospel. You want to go to heaven, you want to have that joy, you want to have the expectation of it, then you've got to be a faithful child of God. I want to end with one last passage, Psalms chapter 5 and verse 11. Let all who rejoice put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them let all those who love your name be joyful in you. What's David talking about? People whose confidence and trust is in God. We're going to sing the invitation song, and what a wonderful privilege would it be tonight to have a new brother, new sister in Christ, that you can have the expectation of a joyful tomorrow and a joyful future. If you need to become a Christian through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, or if you need to have the prayers of the congregation, we encourage you and we invite you to respond to the Lord's invitation as together we stand and sing.